And just like that, I'm back, ladies and gentlemen, to recap this weekend's series between the Padres and the Cardinals, a must-win series where your beloved San Diego Padres, they don't disappoint. They, they always find a way. As long as what you're, you know, hoping for is disappointment, then they follow through. They never disappoint on disappointment. We're recapping this series, talking about the Padres going forward, Xander Bogarts' hot streak, and much more. We're back. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You're at Team Every Day for Monday, September 25th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or Lockdown Padres on YouTube. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Although it wasn't every day last week, I want to apologize to everybody. I was super duper sick on top of some personal problems uh, that that arose in, in my familiar ma- familial uh, matters uh, that I had to attend to. I also was super sick and I literally couldn't speak. So I'd like to apologize for that, that I didn't get you guys. I think I only did one episode last week. Um, I tried. I actually tried to get on the microphone a couple times, um, but I just I just couldn't do it. Uh, it. It was really, really rough, and I just I couldn't speak. So if you hear me a little bit nasally, I'm coming out of it. I'm more than well enough to be able to get back to stuff, but that's why. Uh, and obviously, if you hear me cough a little bit, my apologies. But yeah, I just couldn't really speak at all last week. Um, it was really frustrating because it was like, you know, a cold. You know, I, I did it test positive for COVID, thankfully. Um, but, you know, it's still annoying that like a regular cold that usually would just be like make me feel nasally and congested. I could record if that were the case. But this time it just so happens I was just super congested to the point where my throat was killing me and I could not speak. So what can I say? But we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And on today's episode, our sponsor is the good, good old people over at Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks and you could win up to a 100 times multiplier of your money. Of your moolah. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And we've wasted enough time already. We've wasted enough time already discussing why I was not available last week. But I will say this. Does your boy... Maybe next year. Do I have to get myself sick? For the start of the season or something? Because as soon as I got sick, basically as soon as I got sick, the Padres went on an eight-game winning streak to the point where everybody started being like, uh-oh. You know, doing the sideways, like, uh-oh. Are they back in it? That's that's where we were at heading into this weekend series with the Cardinals. Um, and while the Padres did win two out of three... They still found a way. That's what the title of episodes, uh, today's episode is going to be. They still found a way to disappoint and make you miserable. Uh, they refuse because it wasn't like they got blown out. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they just had a bad start from someone. They once again just absolutely refused to come up clutch in any discernible way. It's just absolutely incredible how they keep doing this. Um, but it's funny because for a little bit, the Padres sounded like they had a chance. They had a 0.1% chance to make the playoffs before the streak started, and then they increased to 1.2%. Um, so anyone out there who thought that they were going to make it, I personally think, hadn't been watching 
this team all year. And I think that you got a lot of mainstream outlets or general outlets covering baseball talking about, uh oh, the Padres, they're only four games out. I think the the general consensus amongst Padres fans was they're done. Um, but then national media and whatnot got a little bit excited, um, especially after last week. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more tomorrow. The A.J. Preller athletic article dropped. Uh, I know it's not just about A.J. Preller, but he's a big part of it, obviously. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. So we got two articles. We got the Union Tribune from Kevin A.C. and we got the Athletics. So just crazy times for Padres fans. But <clears throat> to talk about the weekend series, first I want to mention yesterday. Uh, Sunday, in which they won 12 to 2, which I also think encapsulated uh, this Padres season magnificently. After losing Saturday's game, which we'll talk to and which we'll talk about in a second, the Padres, of course, when, because basically after they had lost Saturday's game, that basically more or less kind of officially eliminated them um, from playoff contention. Uh, in fact, here's a tweet from Ben Higgins to give you an idea of what they need now. Um, and as I'm recording, actually, I get a notification that says, Padres deny dysfunction rumors. Manny Machado pushes back on narrative about San Diego. Okay. Uh, but as of right now, guys, yesterday, I'm sorry, not yesterday, Ben Higgins had tweeted uh, after yesterday's game, mentioning, you know, for people who care, um, the Padres need three of the following four outcomes to happen. They have to go 6-0 and plus Three of the following four scenarios must happen. The Cubs have to go 0-6, the D-backs go 0-6, the Marlins go 2-4 and four or worse, and the Reds go 3-4 three and four, three and worse. So basically, let's say we go undefeated rest of the way, and let's say the most realistic out of those four, the Marlins going 2-4 and four and the Reds going 3-3 three and three happen, you need the Cubs or D-backs to go, you know, over. It was a long shot from the beginning, but it's just to show you guys, while they're not officially eliminated, they probably will be officially eliminated by the time... Uh, tomorrow's episode comes out, in my opinion, but uh, that's what we're looking at. And it's, I think that it says a lot that given all of that, given how disappointing Saturday was, that they then sh- decide to score 12 runs on the Cardinals on Sunday. Uh, a lot of runs. A lot of runs, obviously. You get a start from our boy, uh, Michael Waka. He goes seven. That's the only like positive takeaway for players that I care about. Seven innings, two earned runs on six hits, one walk and six Ks. He's got 3.39 ERA. That was just nice to see uh, because he went seven, I think was nice. And he hadn't gone seven innings in a while. And in fact, he hadn't just been that steady in a while. So that was really cool. I know it's the Cardinals, but even still, Waka, you know, heading into um, September 2nd, had a 2.85 ERA. Now he's at 3.39. So he's had a little bit of a stumble. In my opinion, this is just Waka's uh, regressing to like, like properly regressing. Where it was like, I don't think he's a sub three ERA guy, but I don't think he's like a, necessarily going to be a high fours ERA guy or a mid fours. Instead, he's just a middle threes guy, and that's still excellent. Don't get me wrong; I'm really excited about the possibility of bringing him back. But uh, Waka, that was really cool from him. Otherwise, um, in terms of the box score stuff in this game, Bogarts DH uh, in today's game. He goes two for five. Kim goes two for five. Soto goes three for five with uh, four RBIs, a double, and a home run. Uh, Tatis, he goes two for four. Does he get a home run or a steal, uh, unfortunately, which is something that I've been watching. In terms of the 30-30 watch, uh, Tatis is currently at 25 home runs and 29 stolen bases. So he's probably going to get just 30 bases, which is cool. I was hoping for him to reach that 30-30, maybe hit a couple home runs this weekend, but he didn't. It's okay. It's just a fun little 
fantasy baseball type of thing that I was just hoping to be able to tweet out, despite all that you've heard about how evil a person Tatis is and how he's cooked and, oh, he's a cheater and all that. He still managed to go 30-30 despite the surgery and the suspension. So I was just excited to tweet that, but probably not going to happen. Not that I'm upset with Tatis. Um, You also get two for five from our guy, Eggy Rosario. Matthew Batten, two for four. Garrett Cooper has a nice hit in this game as well as a walk. So, yeah, a whole lot of runs. Don't really have to go over all of them, if we're being quite honest. Uh, It kind of speaks for itself. But what I really think, I think Saturday and Sunday were such a great encapsulation of the Padres season. And there's been a lot of moments that encapsulate the Padres season. I use encapsulate and microcosm a lot. But I really think it fits here for you to be, I mentioned to Ben Higgins, like his... Like, what scenarios have to happen for them to make it? When you're basically eliminated, then the next day, you decide to go absolutely nuclear with your offense. Most frustrating team I have ever watched in my lifetime. And I'm being dead serious. And I do not think that's hyperbole. Just in terms of a team that I followed, this is is number one. The only other one that might be up there is, like, 2010 Chargers when they were still in San Diego. There's a great video if you for all my football fans um, that I recommend, even if you hate them. Uh, if you hate them, this will be good for you. It's, it's on secret base. 2010 Chargers, they managed to be the number one offense and number one defense and miss the playoffs. So go look that up if you're just curious. Um, aside from that team, this has easily been the most frustrating team that I've ever like watched uh, in my life across any sport. I can't think of one that's more worse. Uh, there's frustrating players, but as a team, this one takes the cake, um, like absolutely takes the cake. But we're not done yet, ladies and gentlemen. Of course we're not done yet. We got to talk a little bit more and talk about Saturday's game and what it gave to us. What kind of emotions it elicited in me being sick. Uh, I was most, I was getting a little bit better by then, but even still, uh, we got to talk about that, guys. But first, first, I want to give a shout out to a sponsor. Let me tell you guys. You know, um, you ever like have a situation when you're having pancakes, maybe some French toast, and you're like, oh my God, I don't have any syrup. This is, this is a disaster. Maybe you're like me. <coughs> There's the cough. Um, maybe you're like me and you're saying, oh, man, I'm a mayonnaise head. I want to be drowned in mayonnaise. Maybe you, you just, oh, my God, I have my chicken sandwich, but no mayonnaise. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. Love the convenience of what you want uh, delivered to your door? Well, guess what? You can do that with DoorDash uh, Delivery, Grocery Delivery. I should say. It's really, really cool. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too, with thousands of groceries to choose from, like the aforementioned mayonnaise or maybe some syrup. Uh, they got you covered. Um, and from every store, you know, not every store, but with thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you can find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered. Or they'll make it right for you. Don't worry. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them yourself. And if you want even more value, check this out. You can save on all your grocery and restaurant fares with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a DoorDash membership. Really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, guess what? I've got a nice little deal for you. Oh yeah, your boy Uncle Jav, he's got he's come through for you. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Limited time offer, terms do apply, but that's 50% up to $20 as a minimum subtotal 
and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONMLB. That's right. Just a nice little, at least a little treat for y'all. So remember, don't forget, code LOCKEDONMLB for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Locked Up Padres podcast. Don't forget to check out SiriusXM for play-by-play or to listen to the play-by-play broadcast of your hometown Padres and or other town. You could be like me. I'm not hometown. You know what I mean? I've never even been to San Diego, I think. I might have been there once when I was a wee lad, when I was like two. I think my parents took me there. Maybe. I can't confirm that. But go check that out, guys. Now we get into the fun part where we get to rant. Um, again, I think Sunday showed you. After you saw, and after I mentioned what it will now take, then basically it being borderline impossible for them to make the playoffs, except not technically eliminated, they decided to put up 12 runs. And then on Saturday, here's the thing. It would have been a lot for the Padres to win um, and make the playoffs in the first place. I get that. But the way they lose on Saturday, combined with what happens on Sunday, <coughs> is just too good. It's too good. It's too good. The Padres lose this game 5-2 to two in extra innings behind a whole lot of good. A whole lot of good uh, when it comes to the Padres. Specifically, I want to give a shout-out to Matt Waldron, who I kept calling. Oh, I'm sorry. Matt Waldron pitched on Friday. I want to give a shout-out to Nick Martinez, um, who was really good at this game. Four innings, doesn't give up any runs. He does walk three, but he works out of it. Nick Martinez has been, like, just such a chaotic player in a lot of ways. I think that we there was hope that... When you looked at his splits as a starter versus a reliever last year, he went from being like a mid-fours ERA guy, um, i.e. someone who can you just have to throw out some days and hope that he's okay, versus like a 2.5 ERA um, reliever. And I think there was some hope that this guy could be like you know a really nice long-inning reliever addition. Instead, he's just kind of fine. He's got a good changeup when it's working, but he gives up a lot of really hard contact sometimes. And per- perhaps did he get a little bit unlucky with home run fly ball stuff this year? Sure, but hey, um, he-, he still did his job. Pedro Avila, who I thought was someone who is not very good. I don't think he's really got all that much, but he's better than Rich Hill. He comes into this game, gives up two earned runs, uh, which end up being uh, the tying. Uh, runs so that was unfortunate but also want to give a shout out to Luis Campizano who does make an error in this game uh, try to catch the ball at home plate I don't know if the runner would have been out anyway would have been close probably eh, he probably might have had might have been able to get him out but he drops the ball look again Campizano also one for five in this game and he hits into a bad double play in extra innings um, I'm still super confident the hive is still as strong as ever as far as I'm concerned the fact that they turned this guy that no one was talking about into a really elite offensive catcher and one of the best offensive catchers in the league already. Clean up the defense, then we can talk. But for now, I'm still so happy with him and happy that I was right, quite frankly, with you. Just to be totally uh, uh, honest, I was just happy that I had a W uh, from me personally for once. Um, he's got to clean up that defense. And I'm going to be watching and listening to reports and spring training you know, breakdowns for a lot of this. So I'm looking forward to that. But... The big story in this game is that the Padres, with multiple opportunities to potentially take the lead, uh, didn't do it. Shocker, I know. Um, Aside from Manny Machado getting a single in the bottom of the first inning to bring in Xander Bogarts, so many moments uh, in this game. Hassan Kim getting picked off um, at first base. What the heck? Juan Soto in, I believe, I'm going to say it was the seventh inning. I'm just going to make sure. 
that I got that right. Juan Soto, bottom of the seventh inning. You've got Tatis and Bogarts in second. Soto grinds into a double play. Season on the line. I know that Soto has been, along with Tatis and Kim, some of the only players that haven't regressed into tomatoes when it comes to clutch situations. I understand that. But even still, Soto has had some moments this year where <coughs> it almost doesn't feel like the high leverage has been there with him, if that makes sense. And I know that like the stats say otherwise, but Soto has been good this year, don't get me wrong. And he's been so good at just getting on base in the first place that's kind of hard to fault him. But he has had some moments this year where it was like, I swear when everyone was really, really watching though, he would hit into a double play, hit a weak ground ball or whatever. And again, I don't think that that it's, it really shows you um, based on stats that that's been the case. So I'm disagreeing with the stats. It just feels like not all that great this year. Um, in high leverage situations, um, Juan Soto has been. In fact, if I go to advanced, I'm going to check really quickly right now. In high leverage situation, yeah, he had 128 WRC+. So not as good in low leverage and medium, but that's still pretty good. So again, I don't know what to say. It just feels like he hasn't been very good sometimes. But have no fear, ladies and gentlemen. He wasn't the only one that disappointed because we got multiple just crushing plays in this game as well. I mentioned Hassan Kim getting caught in the bottom of the eighth. And then Xander Bogarts. Look, I know they ended up tying the game. And I tweeted about this. They end up tying the game in the bottom of the ninth, which is awesome, right? You get Garrett Cooper to draw a wall. Garrett Cooper is the perfect example of the type of bat the Padres need to find this offseason. Doesn't play every day, but in the right matchup, he's just going to be a solid bat and not going to be Matt Carpenter or Austin Nola where they're like automatic outs. They need that type of bat. You know what I mean? That's what they need next year for the Padres. In the DH spot, in just the bench spot, whatever it is that they want to do, Garrett Cooper I think is a good example of what they need. Um, with the Padres... He's hitting 248 with a 330 on base and a 396 slugging. He's been a little bit better than that. Um, he's been a little bit slump lately, but that's just an example of like, all right, just don't be awful. We just need someone who's not awful, can get decent hits against the right pitcher and the right matchups, and alas, that's where you are. But as I was mentioning, that wasn't it. Um, then Matthew Batten gets a walk, and then Eggy Rosario um, and um, Jerkson Profar. I'm sorry, not Jerkson Profar. Um, just Eggy Rosario is able to go to third on a wild pitch, and then Jerickson Profar walks. Bases loaded. And the top of your lineup coming in. Xander Bogarts getting his big, juicy contract. Then you get Tatis. He's getting paid a whole lot, and he's the face of the team. And then you got Wad Soto. Mr. I-440 million isn't enough. All of that and what happens. The only hit that the Padres get. And again, I use this word a lot, but microcosm. This has been the Padres' All goddamn year. All year. All freaking year. And again, I understand wanting to blame A.J. Preller. In fact, I think he deserves the majority of the blame when it comes to what these, you know, articles have said. Um, I don't, frankly, I'm not going to really care all that much about what Manny Machado has to, of course he's going to say that it's all ridiculous what's being said about them. Like, duh. All right, so don't, we love Manny, but you don't have to necessarily go by his uh, words only. He has an agenda of his own, if that makes sense. Um, if, if we're being fair, both news and the player can have their own agenda in this situation. But I choose to believe that there is a lot of stuff going wrong because this keeps happening, right? This day collapsed in 2021 and 2019. In their best season last year, they went they won 89 games. And also, all the players they brought in at the deadline got worse when they got there. So again, it's not just a self-contained thing. If it was a self-contained season and... 
this was the only like let's say they were good in 2019 you know they win 89 games maybe don't make the playoffs 20 all that stuff the collapse in 2021 doesn't happen if it was only this year i'd be defending aj preller like huge defending aj preller but it's not so that's why i think it's an issue but it's time and time again like People have blamed A.J. Preller for roster construction, and I agree. But for me, it's more about the culture stuff that has been attested to in these articles that maybe don't give players enough to be prepared. But that being said, it is not his fault that they have the murderer's row of Major League talent at the top of the lineup. And every single time this year, every single time, I'm not kidding, every time you've been like, holy dear God, how can you not be terrified as an approaching pitcher because you have to somehow get out of a, a runners in scoring situation and Bogarts, Machado, Soto, um, and Tatis are coming up. And what happens? They get one hit between the three of them and it's a fielder's choice by Bogarts that allows the tying run to score, but they are almost able to turn a double play out of it. Then Tatis strikes out, then Soto strikes out. That's this Padres team. I have not watched a team in a long time. That is this incapable of literally coming through in any discernible way all year. Xander Bogarts and his 55 RBIs, I'm looking at you. Manny Machado, who loves to mouth off about how everybody's wrong about everything, and it's the media agenda, and blah, 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 and they're exaggerating. You love to not come up big either. We're just reacting to how you guys play. You have been one of the most disappointing teams in the history of this stupid sport that we all follow so um, obediently, and you don't come up there. But don't worry, they also managed to mess up, despite in the top of the 10th, them managing to stop the Cardinals from scoring again. Luis Capizano, to start things off, he hits into a double play. So again, I still love Capizano, but he's not immune from the overall criticism of this team having the clutch gene of a roasted almond. They have been awful in every single time you're watching. When I was sick and they went on a winning streak, then they're awesome. Then they have all the runs that they're scoring. When everyone's paying attention and media attention is on you and people are like, wow, the Padres might really do something special, then you lose yet again to tie the 1969 Expos for the most losses in extra innings, or I should say the worst record in extra innings, 0-12. If the Padres were 6-6, six and six, talking to you, Manny, complaining about everybody complaining and just talking about the reality, which is you guys not coming up clutch in the slightest. If they were just six and six in extra innings, they would have the second wild card. Second wild card. That's how frustrating this team has been all year. And then, of course, which is why I was bringing this up so much in the first segment, of course, you score 12 the next day. Because then, as long as there's no pressure and you guys just want to get your stats up, apparently that's when they just... Go absolutely nuts. Manny Machado, you're down by seven. I guarantee you, put the bet on FanDuel, you'll get a home run from him. If they're up, if they're only down by one and it's bases loaded, nobody out, put the bet on FanDuel, you're getting a double play. That is what it has been watching, this Padres team, all year. And it's frustrating because there's a sold-out crowd, everybody's cheering for you, and you let them down yet again. So again, Preller deserves the majority of the blame, in my opinion. But excusing the players especially the top of the lineup. And I'm not saying that money dictates that we should be more mad at them, but it just shows you a lot that these guys come at, they're the top of the lineup and they just didn't come through. This team was designed to have superstars at the top that get paid a whole lot of money to be able to make up for some of the bottom, you know, the kicks of the lineup, <coughs> not being able to be superstars and whatnot. But none of you came through. Bogart's heinous with runs in scoring position all year. Manny Machado, heinous. Like every other player, it's just been an absolute nightmare. And even Soto, to a small extent, um, has had his moments where you're like, 
what's going on here? Like, why can't you drive anyone in as soon as people are paying attention? It's just really ridiculous stuff. And it's so frustrating. And if you're listening to this podcast feeling frustrated, I am with you because I've had to cover this team and watch every game all year. Sometimes I've watched some game recaps the very next day and looked up some game stories from the Tribune and the Athletic every now and then at MLB.com. But for the most part, I have watched this team like 162 games for four years, and this really drove me over the edge. It's unbelievable the lack of clutch that this team has. It's it's just unbelievable. It's unfreaking believable, this team. It's it's disgraceful, quite frankly. Disgraceful. And they should be ashamed. And I hope that in the offseason they figure out how to show up for once. Because this team, man, oh my gosh. I'm not kidding. The most frustrating single season for a team that I have ever watched across all the three sports, NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL that I've watched. Aside from that, those aforementioned 2010 Chargers. It's the only team that's even close. And the Padres, considering I follow them even more closely and cover them every day, even more frustrating. Just astronomically bad stuff astronomically bad stuff but that's what they do they love to disappoint (sighs) but before we conclude this podcast and talk about what's ahead and talk a little bit about Xander Bogarts uh, his season and his really hot stretch in September guys I want to take a second to talk to you about one of my favorite apps and that is Sleeper I love Sleeper you guys know man look hey man your boy He loves some fantasy football, and the app helps out with that. That's what I like about it so much is that they've got a really cool setup for fantasy. They just a lot of quality of life things. They show you all the points, the game logs from every player, how many fantasy points they got in previous years. You can see, like, you can tap on the game, and they'll show you all the relevant fantasy players and what points they scored. There's just all these little things and these little tricks. Heck, I like that I get to choose whatever team photo I want, unlike the ESPN app. Really, really cool stuff, so I recommend Sleeper. And if you were like me, enjoying Devontae Adams on your fantasy team last night, let me tell you, Sleeper makes it even better uh, with their updates. But guys, they've also got you covered when it comes to daily fantasy. Ladies and gentlemen, the MLB playoffs are right around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to earn up to 100 times your cash on fantasy baseball. Daily fantasy baseball, to be specific. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with all these studs that aren't on the Padres, apparently, uh, when it comes to being, you know, coming up big for you. So maybe you don't want to, you know, uh, hit your wagon to those guys. But, you know, you still got your, your trouts. No, you don't. He's hurt. I forgot. I forgot that he's out for the rest of the year. Same thing with Otani. But you've got Acuna. Maybe he's going to hit 72 home runs somehow in six games left. Whatever. You can bet on those guys and hope for the best. Pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more (coughs) for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is over at Sleeper. Go check it out. And as we wind down, ladies and gentlemen, this here episode of the Locked On Padres podcast, remember, don't forget to check out SiriusXM uh, for the play-by-play broadcast of your hometown Padres. Man, that was a, a fun rant. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Uh, I'm, I'm back, baby. You know what I mean? Look, I was sick all week. Last game on Friday, the one that I talked about with Matt Waldron, he goes three innings in this one. Or I'm sorry, five innings, only gives up three hits, only one earned run, two walks, and nine Ks. Probably his overall best start. Um, it says a lot that Matt Waldron was able to come up big for the team. Uh, nine Ks in this one. 
again, we have to see what the Padres are going to do with their pitching depth. Um, I've somewhat hinted at it before, but I am not a fan of the idea of re-signing Blake Snell. I personally take the belief that Joe Musgrove, you hope you Darvish bounces back. You got Michael Waka and Seth Lugo. I would just take some shots um, and try and get some pitching depth. That's just me. That's just me. I'd like to have you know some decent pitchers, retool the bullpen a bit. I'd rather do that versus spend a whole lot of money on Blake Snell off of what likely will be a Cy Young campaign. Uh, I just think that that's going to cost too much, and it worries me. I'd like to take some flyers on a Luis Severino type. I know that sounds crazy, but he's probably not going to cost all that much, and when he's right, he's a really good pitcher. Um, so I wouldn't mind that, but all in all, um, that is not the direction I want to go, but I'm saying that all because you don't want to make it that you rely, no offense, on your Matt Waldron types. I want to make sure that there's a little bit more depth. That way, if any injuries happen, if any sort of just players start falling off, that you have a little bit more backup plan, I think, um, than this year. Granted, I think that the depth for the team this year was actually pretty okay, but the stars didn't come through, et cetera, et cetera, like I ran to the last segment, but just an example. But anyway, they score four runs in this game because Manny Machado has himself a night. Um, four for four with two home runs, including the game, what ends up being the game-winning home run for Manny Machado. Uh, so excellent stuff from him. Three for four from Juan Soto with a double. Um, Tatis and Bogarts uh, unable to do too much of this game, but it didn't matter. This was the Manny Machado game. I had joked on Twitter um, that you know maybe he was seeing Kevin Acey's face on the baseball uh, as it was heading to him on Friday, right? Because of that article that came out. Um, so shouts to Manny. Uh, that was easily. I'm not gonna say easily, but that was probably his one clutch moment that I've seen all year. That I can remember. Obviously, he's had moments where he's probably driven in a run that gave them a little bit of a lead, maybe in the beginning of a game. But when, like, all eyes and we were all, like, really, you felt it, something that can't always be tracked by stats, this is the only time I've seen Manny come through. Feel free to leave in the comments if I if I was wrong. <coughs> That's just what it feels like. And then Robert Suarez comes in, and he's able to be really effective as well, by the way, which is nice because he's someone that concerns me. But he goes one and two-thirds Striking out one, only one hit. Really cool stuff. I didn't understand the bringing in of Luis Garcia exactly, but nonetheless, damage was kept to a minimum. He only gave up one run. They had to bring in Robert Suarez fast. Um, but thank you uh, so much for Padres. for At the time, that was a clutch win. At the time. Unfortunately, Saturday happened. Now I just want to conclude today's episode, talking about Xander Bogarts really quickly. Um, again, he's been atrocious in a lot of ways this year. Um, specifically, I think, in terms of bringing in runs. I mentioned before, Xander has somehow only 55 RBIs, which is by far the lowest of his career, especially um, in like a when he's been playing a whole lot. He's had years where he hit 62 RBIs. That was 2017. That was probably his worst uh, in terms of that, and it was also one of his like poorest seasons. Um, despite being a really consistent bat, that was the one season where he was he wasn't great. But other than that, you know, he had a 103 RBI season, 117. Granted, RBIs aren't a great way to measure how good a player has been all the time because it could be a product of the team that's around them. But given that Bogarts has been so horrible and that Gary Sanchez almost had as many RBIs as him despite playing in 50 fewer games, the RBI, RBI stat actually does tell you kind of quickly uh, how bad Zader Bogarts has been at driving in runs in any clutch situation this year. In fact, this year, I'm going to read to you, his numbers in terms of certain uh, base uh, situations with runners 
on first and second, he's hitting below 100 this year at 93. And with runners on first and third, he hit 167 this year. So those two combined is why he's been so bad. And in fact, with the bases loaded this year and 15 plate opportunities, he's hitting below 100 as well. So Xander Bogarts had no clutch gene whatsoever this year. But I am really confident that he can turn it around next year. Will he turn it? Or And by the way, when I say that, that doesn't mean that I think the team will be great next year. I think that there's a possibility that the Padres finally hit with runners in scoring position next year, but then the pitching falls off. And then maybe the bullpen isn't as good. And maybe the defense isn't as good. So all you had to do was one thing this year, which is deliver in the clutch with runners on. Next year, who knows if it's multiple things that uh, fail them, right? So that's my fear. But in terms of just in a vacuum, this player... I'm I'm pretty confident that Bogarts is going to be better. And I've talked a lot all year about Marcus Simeon and how his first year with the Rangers was quite bad. Um, and he's very similar because Marcus Simeon, his first year with the Rangers, um, was just dreadful to start. I, I mean, genuinely really, really bad, guys. Like, this guy could not hit to save his life. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he was really rough. And... The only thing that he was good for was fantasy baseball because he had some home runs and some stolen bases. But I remember, like, he was massively disappointing, and it was after such a giant contract, right? It wasn't as big as the one that they gave to Corey Seager. And I know that Marcus Sabian's more of a second baseman. I get that. But even still, I think that he's an apt um, comparison um, in this case, I think. Um, but all in all, you, it's just a – how do I phrase this? <coughs> Sorry, the coughs keep coming, so it's distracting me. Um, Marcus Simeon, his first year with the Rangers, had a 4F war, which is still pretty solid. But a lot of it came, from what I remember, at the end of the season um, um, for, for uh, Marcus Simeon, I should say. In fact, I'm getting his numbers right now. His first season with the Rangers, he had a WRC plus of 95 in the first half, which is atrocious, and then a 116. Uh, going forward and if you go by month it's actually hilarious he had a 24 wrc plus in march and april then in may 76 and then in june it was 137 135 august he slipped up uh, and then september october was a 130 but i'm basically just comparing it because xander bogart has been very very good uh in september he's been on fire actually as of right now he has a 121 wrc plus on the season which is still the lowest he's had since 2017, that 2017 team I alluded to. Um, but he's, you know, most of his production has come, it feels like, a lot later uh, is when he decides to show up. Granted, the Padres have had some high leverage situations of late, especially given that they were a little bit alive after this win streak. But um, this year, in terms of WRC plus marks, this year, I mean, the first half, a 107 WRC plus for Xander Bogarts, second half, 139. And specifically, in July, he had a 116, in August, an 80, and this month, a 231 WRC+, September, October. So he's been very, very good as of late. Um, he's been hitting the crap out of the ball, getting a lot of extra base hits. Um, he's hitting 427 with a 472 on base, 744 slugging, OPS over 1,000. The problem is that he had some dreadful months uh, mixed in there. So if he can just be a little bit more consistent next year and just be that consistent almost meat and potatoes hitter who could still get you maybe up to 20 home runs, um, but most likely is going to be around the 15 range. That's okay because of his ability to get on base, his ability to not swing at terrible pitches. That's still stayed intact this year. And just to be like the meat, like I said, a meat and potatoes guy and a lineup full of, of a bunch of players that hit 
super tank home runs, it's kind of nice to have a guy that's just going to get you those doubles and those singles and draw walks, you know, prolong at bats, all that stuff. That made Xander Bogarts, Xander, uh, Xander Bogarts such a highly coveted free agent to begin with. Um, so hopefully he doesn't have months where he has a 59 WRC plus and 80 WRC plus next year. And if he does, hopefully those are the only months. But I also think it's worth talking about that. I know that he's been dreadful uh, this year, and I think that F4 doesn't really cover it entirely because you have to take into account that the big reason, and in fact, kind of the only reason that I think that this Padres team was, uh, why Xander Burgess was so disappointing is because the lack of any production with runners in scoring position. If he did that, he'd be a lot better. He probably might be like a five and a half win player, in fact. You know what I mean? If, if he just kept his stat line, which right now is a 282 average with a 349 on base, 442 slugging, I talked about before the year that it wouldn't have surprised me if Xander struggled a little bit because first year of a big contract, we see sometimes struggle. Also, moving from the American League to the National League, that's an important thing. Not just changing teams, but moving leagues. So he's seeing a bunch of different pitchers. So I thought my biggest thing heading into the season was, could his defense still be good? Because long for, for a long time in his career, he hasn't been the best defensive player in the world. But last year, he was very good for the Red Sox. That's why he was able to put up a 6-1 season. And then uh, this year, he's mostly stayed intact uh, with an outs above average mark of 2, which is good. And that's in the 79th percentile. <coughs> he's got decent range. He's got decent speed. Uh, not the most speed in the world, I think. Uh, he was a lot faster last year in terms of sprint speed um, and the years before that. But even still, he's still like he's just a solid hitter. Again, really good stuff. His fielding was solid this year, which I think is a, a big plus. He wasn't Francisco Lindor level or anything like that or Hassan Kim level, frankly, but he was still good enough. If you told me just these stats in a vacuum, I would have been perfectly content with this stat line. Right? Yeah, he's not hitting 300 like he did the previous years. Yeah, his WRC plus declined by 12 points. But for a first year, for just a solid player, in a team that already had a bunch of MVPs, I would have been thrilled with this. It's just that he couldn't drive in runs. And in my opinion, that's something that doesn't translate year to year. I don't think clutch stats translate year to year in the regular season for players. So I think that next year, I would be betting high on Xander Bogarts to bounce back in a big way. Or at least just be a really good player who is just going to be better than last year with runners on base. And I think that that's what's going to make him better. But even all that accounted for still has a 4.3 F4 uh, to his name this season, matching his mark from 2021 when every Red Sox fan, and granted this could be my bubble of fandoms that I'm in, but every Red Sox fan was talking about him being the best thing since sliced bread in 2021, right? Um, I think defense is what did it help him out, but 4.3 F4 that year. So again, you're going to get a lot of Red Sox fans taking victory parades probably in your life if you have them, talking about how they dodged a bullet not signing Xander. I just want to just say, again, from my perspective, those Red Sox fans were singing his praises all the time when he's a Red Sox. And as soon as he didn't sign with them, they're like, actually, no, I don't like him. He's not that good. I don't know. I might be talking with one of those uh, Red Sox fans later on this week, by the way. Maybe leave a comment if you think I should interrogate him about that. Uh, but... Yeah, so Xander Bogarts, I really do think if the regular expected regression to the mean with runners on base happens next year, he should be a lot better. I don't see too much changing. Yes, he could hit the ball a little bit harder. Don't get me wrong. All that stuff wasn't great. Not a lot of sweet spot percentage and barrel rates this year. I get that, right? He could be a lot better. Hopefully, he can nurse the injury better as well. But in general, still a really solid player. Um, and I do think that 
if he just is able to drive and runs and not be the least clutch player in baseball, he should be fine next year. And I think that him showing this hot streak at the end, it was really giving me a little bit of Marcus Simeon vibes. Like, yeah, this was a missed season, but at least we're still seeing it. At least we're seeing the hitting, right? At least we're still just at least seeing it and we're seeing what he could be, right? That's important. You don't want to just, you want to at least see a sign of things changing. And in my opinion, I think he's delivered that at the end of the year. It's one of the more, uh, it's one of the best, one of, one of the better silver linings, I think, to come out of this season that has been otherwise quite dreadful, obviously, for the Padres. But that's it, everybody. Those are my thoughts for today's episode. Kind of a little bit of a long episode, but I thought you deserved it, listeners and viewers, because I was out most of last week. So now that I'm back, don't worry. I think it's appropriate that I came back right when uh, their winning streak ended, too. I think that's kind of poetically kind of uh, brilliant. But, ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of Locked Up Padres Podcast, the only pod. <coughs> One more cough. That may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Of course, follow me on Twitter um, and do all that good stuff in terms of the future of this pod. Tomorrow, we got to talk about that AJ Preller article. Come on. You know we have to. Come on. We, we got to do it. going to be talking about whether AJ Preller needs to be fired on tomorrow's episode. I've said something crazy happening. Probably going to be talking with my buddy Colby, who I alluded to before, uh, the Red Sox fan, about his latest article over at Just Baseball about Blake Snell becoming a Cy Young pitcher. That should be a lot of fun. No, ba- There will be some bad vibes because this is the Padres team, but a lot of fun stuff talking about Blake Snell's season. I think that that should be a blast. Going to be doing another crossover with Millard, talking about players that will regress next year. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so still content's back baby don't worry your boy's back he's alive he lives he lives what can i say uh but until next time stay safe and of course stay faithful my fire faithful homies take care